0: Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique.
1: Welcome, welcome. I'm Monique. Thanks so much for joining me today. Well, this is airing right before Christmas here in the U.S., So I am wishing all my global listeners very happy holidays wherever you're at in the world. Over the coming weeks, you'll be hearing about a concept called the Sustainable Leader. I'll be doing a series of episodes about what this is and how this mindset can enhance your leadership. You'll be hearing from me through solo shows like the one today, and also from guests who are subject matter experts when it comes to sustainable or green leadership. Today, in part one of this series, we'll delve into the complex topic of environmental stewardship in your personal life and at work, including Corporate Social Responsibility, or CSR. You'll learn how adopting this mindset can improve your brand, how some of my clients became sustainable leaders, and ways to immediately implement ideas, tools, and strategies for environmental stewardship. We'll also be taking questions from listeners throughout the show so feel free to email those in to me at monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. If you have kept up on the health of our environment, you already know that it does not look good from a micro or a macro level. This has had an impact on our homes, our communities, and also our workplaces. It's my personal philosophy, that individuals can make a difference. And so can companies of all sizes. By making conscious decisions, we can shift our mindset to one of stewardship. Now, in my book, I discuss a component of wellness called environmental wellness. And I believe that setting a good example as a leader involves taking care of the environment at home and at work. And embracing that concept makes you a sustainable or green leader. Environmental stewardship relates to your philosophy and your behavior around the natural resources that you consume and things you can do to reduce your ecological footprint for example, do you realize when you're being wasteful? Do you declutter and donate on a regular basis? How about how do you conserve energy, food, clothing, and spending? Because even conserving money is part of reducing your ecological footprint. And it's part of environmental wellness and environmental issues. Do you have a conservation plan so that you're doing your part to protect the environment? Or are you not very informed about environmental issues? Healthy ecological behavior can show up in the workplace as well as in your personal life. It can span a global level where you take part in really large initiatives that'll make a macro impact, or it can show up at a micro level within your home and community. And as a leader in all these areas, workplace, home, and community, you have a responsibility to understand how your existence as a human has an ecological impact Now, you might be wondering what this has to do with leadership. Having a perspective regarding environmental wellness will help you lead with more empathy and humility. And you'll be seeing that during this episode as I talk about how my client handled this situation. And it's also good for your brand. And I've talked about branding before. And branding is nothing more than showcasing your own uniqueness. And let me tell you, if you're reducing your ecological footprint, and if you're making that known within your company, that is going to really make you stand out. And it's going to do a lot for your brand. So I want to talk to you about a client of mine, Trisha. explain to you how she handled this situation, environmental wellness, in her home life and also at work. She was an executive vice president. Uh, When she came to me as a client, she felt really scattered in her daily work life. She intuitively knew that she was not really all that good at setting goals in either her personal or her professional life. And that was causing her to feel scattered. That was causing her to feel ungrounded and directionless. So she wanted to focus our coaching on how to set goals in both those areas of her life, personal and professional. So I offered her a goal-setting tool, and I worked with her on a goal-setting process Now, part of that process focused on defining environmental wellness, and that was something she had not heard of before, and many of you who are listening, this might be a new concept for you also, and that's why I'm doing a series of episodes on this, but we focused on defining what that meant and helping her figure out what it meant for her specifically, So through our discussions, she determined that she did want to be more responsible when it came to ecological stewardship. And as part of her environmental wellness goals, she created what we called a conservation plan. And this conservation plan was specifically for her personal life. So this was environmental wellness on a micro level, her personal life. So we're going to talk about that first. And what she decided as we talked through it was that she needed to conserve resources in several areas of her life. And they were very simple areas. She did three things she decided to stop ordering fast food because the delivery that she got came with disposable containers and plastic utensils. And she also realized that because she ordered so much delivery of fast food, that the food in her refrigerator was spoiling and had to be thrown away. So she realized that that was a very simple change that she could make because she was being wasteful. And she decided if she was going to start this conservation plan, she was going to take baby steps and start small. So that was one of the things that she committed to was to stop ordering the fast food delivery. The other thing that she realized that she was dropping the ball on was the routine maintenance of her car. Now again, this is a really tiny issue, but when she really thought about it, she realized that by not keeping up with the maintenance of her car, it was bad on the environment. And she researched these things so that she she actually came back to our coaching session with the results of some of her research about how that was bad on the environment and she realized that she was not good at keeping up with that maintenance and that that was another small change that she could make so she didn't stop there (laughs) she decided that she also needed to coordinate the running of her errands because she was wasting gas and as she thought through this a little bit more she realized that anytime she needed to run an errand she just went out and did it came back home later that day or later that week she realized there was more to do that she could have done at the same time but she didn't think them through she didn't do any kind of long-term planning in her life which again goes back to the fact that she she knew she was not good at goal setting. So it all kind, kind of ties into her behavior that she had. So she decided to start coordinating her errands where she would plan ahead, think ahead about all the things that she needed to do outside of the house and plan them and plan the timing of them, plan the locations that she needed to go to, and then do them all so that she was doing it efficiently. And not only did this save gas, which was her main reason for doing this, but she also realized it saved her time. And time is something that's really valuable for everyone. So she realized that with this third commitment, she was able to save in a number of ways, save gas, save money on gas and save time. So those were the three main things that were part of her conservation plan for her environmental wellness goals in her personal life. So again, this was at the micro level. And she felt like this would help her feel a little more responsible about reducing her ecological footprint. Now, as we continue this episode today, in a little while, you'll hear more about what she did in the workplace because once she got started on her personal life and her conservation plan there, then she started to think bigger and she started to think about how could the skills that she was learning be transferred into the workplace? What could she do on a bigger level to really impact the workplace And again, we continue to talk about her brand as a leader, what would make her unique and what would make her really stand out as a leader. Now, there are many more things that can be done in the home and in the community. I'm going to give you a few suggestions here for those of you who are listening, who are really starting to wonder what you could do differently. Uh, Shopping with reusable bags. That is something that saves plastic, it saves paper, installing blockout curtains to block out the heat. Now, those of you who know me know that I live in Arizona, and blockout curtains are almost a necessity. And I'll tell you that when I installed these in my home a couple of years ago, I reduced my cooling bill, my air conditioning bill by 15% in the summers, and that's a big deal in Arizona. So consider that. Uh, Following recommendations from the utility companies about when to wash your clothes, when to use the dishwasher, they usually recommend certain times of the day or certain times of the week. Really also educating yourself on topics that bring attention to things like Pesticides in food, chemicals in water, or even climate change. And some people have a philosophy about purchasing food locally, locally grown food, recycling, using chemical-free cleaning products. One thing I realized a few years ago is that there is a program in most states and in most cities called the Prescription Take-Back Day. And this is where you can turn in unused medication to the DEA and have it disposed of safely rather than flushing it down the toilet or throwing it away where it goes into the environment or into the landfill. So you can look that up. It's called Prescription Take Back Day and find that there are, it's a certain time of the year when they do this and the DEA has stations set up at most of the pharmacies in the cities where you can just put your medications in a bag and drop it off. So that is another thing that you can do within the community. And from a macro level, you can get involved in any number of global groups that bring awareness to climate issues, sustainability topics, or environmental activism. Now, it's important to note here that you can't do everything. You can't champion every cause and you can't be an active, you know, an advocate for every issue. But every little thing that you do helps. You might not see your impact, but you just have to know that you are making a difference. Plus, you're setting an example for those around you and you're developing empathy for our planet and displaying humility. Now, empathy and humility are two very highly coveted leadership qualities. So again, this ties back to leadership and your brand. If you've just tuned in, we're talking about environmental stewardship and how that relates to leadership and empathy and setting a good example you just heard about some things my client, Trisha, did on a micro level in her personal life to become more economically responsible. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, you'll hear about an amazing step that that same client, Trisha, took at work to shift her mindset there also. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Follow Voice
2: America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you ready to unlock your full potential as a leader? Look no further than MD Consulting. Monique Daniel, executive coach, best-selling author, and captivating public speaker is here to guide you towards transformational success. With a global reach, Monique empowers executive leaders and HR professionals through engaging presentations at conferences, team-building activities, and industry gatherings. (laughs) Monique's mission is clear, to revolutionize workplace behavior. She achieves this not only by coaching a diverse clientele, but also by educating corporate leaders through both virtual and in-person events.
1: Thank you so much for being here to help us understand.
2: As a recognized subject matter expert, Monique delves into crucial topics such as psychological safety, onboarding strategies, effective training methods, and mastering time management skills.
1: Now for a great topic that we're gonna delve into.
2: Ready to learn more? Request Monique's Speaker One Sheet or secure her for an engaging speaking engagement by sending an email to monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. Don't miss this opportunity to elevate your leadership journey with Monique Daniel and MD Consulting. Unleash your potential today. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com or email monique at mdconsultingglobal.com to take the next step towards transformative leadership. MD Consulting, where success begins.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daneau. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. If you just tuned in a bit late, we're starting a series about environmental wellness, specifically sustainable or green leadership. I've been explaining this concept as environmental stewardship and how it can positively impact your leadership brand. Now we're going to talk about environmental stewardship at work. Companies of all sizes need to consume resources. They need to do that so they can produce products and services. It's part of doing business and consumption can't be avoided but you can be more mindful and deliberate about how and what you consume. So think about your behavior at work and reflect on a couple of these questions as I go through them. How often do you use the printer when you don't need to? And if you do need to use it, can you do double-sided copies? Now, that's a very small change that you can make. How about commuting into work? Do you carpool? Do you take public transportation? Are those options available to you? And if they make sense, do you take advantage of them? What about having influence over the lighting or the energy consumption in your work area? Do you think about that? Do you turn off lights in the office when you leave, or do you leave the lights on at night when you leave the building? What about if you drink coffee or tea at work? Do you use disposable cups? Do you bring your own mug that can be reused? So what are your habits and behaviors around that? Do you have a relationship with the facilities manager in your organization? Do you know who that person is? Do you work with them so that you can understand their policies about how they take care of the real estate and things that maybe you can do that will help their job and help make their job better and help them to save money for the company? What about when you travel, which many leaders do, and when that's necessary, can you influence the policies about how company funds are spent? For example, hotels, car rentals, restaurants, many times certain places will offer corporate discounts if you let them know, or if you make it known that you're gonna be using their establishment a lot. So that would mean that you could save money for your company. And conserving resources also means saving money when you can. So consider that when you travel, what about the company's recycling policy? Do they have a policy for paper, plastic, electronics, batteries. And if they have a policy, do you adhere to it or do you ask your team to adhere to it? Now, outdated, outdated electronics can be donated. And I did a quick Google search just to find out more information about that. And at least 10 organizations came up who will accept outdated electronics. So, that is something that is really important within your company because many times electronics have to be updated. And do you know what happens to the old electronics? Are you part of that process? How about, you know, in what ways do you encourage your direct reports and your peers to be environmentally responsible? Are you part of those conversations? These are just a couple examples of how environmental stewardship can be incorporated into the workplace. And it doesn't have to take a lot of time. It just means putting some thought into what's happening around you and being more mindful about that and trying to be involved in the policies that are being uh, created. Now, many companies also have a really robust corporate social responsibility policy, or I'll, I'll call it CSR. And CSR, in my opinion, still falls under that dimension of environmental wellness. And CSR, in broad terms, is the philosophy that a company's only goal should not be just to make money but that they should also have a duty to act in the best interest of their environment and of society as a whole. Corporate responsibility is traditionally broken into four broad categories and many subcategories, but I'll just cover the the four broad ones here just briefly. Environmental, philanthropic, Ethical and economic responsibility. And some companies do all four. So kudos to them. Some companies do just one or the other. They, they pick or choose, which is still more than not doing anything at all. So it's really, really important. More and more pressure right now is being put on companies, even on small businesses, to be ethically, financially, and environmentally responsible for the greater good of society. And I'll tell you, many of my clients who are job hunting often take into consideration which companies have a CSR policy. And if they are offered a job by a company that does not have a CSR policy, they will turn down the job. Even if they're offered a great sign-on bonus, a great package, a great salary. They are specifically looking for companies that are ethically responsible to the environment. So that tells you how important this is becoming in our world and how how really important it is. Now, remember my client Trisha who put a plan in place to be more ecologically responsible in her personal life. I also worked with her to implement a really unique tool to build environmental thinking into her department's business strategy. So let me explain what she did. Now, during our coaching sessions, I introduced Trisha to a book about Environmental wellness in the workplace. And like I said earlier, she felt much more responsible by implementing some things in her personal life that she wanted to carry it over into the workplace. So, the book I introduced her to is one that I read myself, and I highly recommend it if any of you are interested in this concept at all. But it's called Green to Gold How Smart Companies Use Environmental Strategy to innovate, create value, and build competitive advantage. And this is by Andrew Winston and Daniel Etsy. I'm going to repeat the title and the authors again in case you're jotting this down. It's called Green to Gold, How Smart Companies Use Environmental Strategy to Innovate, Create Value, and Build Competitive Advantage by Andrew Winston and Daniel Etsy. So, the book focuses on an excellent process called an environmental management system or an EMS. When I read the book, I implemented the process immediately in my own small business. So, I use it within my company and that's how I knew about it and I was able to coach Trisha through how to develop her own EMS so, I'm going to give you an overview of how she created her EMS plan. The template is based on four areas called planning, objectives, actions, and programs. It guides a person through the thought process that's related to the operation of their department or company. And if you recall, I mentioned that being environmentally thoughtful, really involves being mindful and being very deliberate and thinking through and planning out what you're going to do. And that's what Tricia did in her personal life. She had to step back, look at what she was doing and make a plan as to how to do it differently. So the EMS is designed as a plan for the workplace. And it results in a formal documented plan now, Trisha had to think through all the vendors, suppliers, the material, the staff, the contractors, the utilities, even the purchasing process of her department. That was her first step in creating the EMS. That was the planning part of the EMS, is that she thought through who she was involved with, who was involved in her department, because she ran this department. And in thinking through that, she realized that she was over purchasing and she was overstaffed. She used a lot of contractors. She had full-time employees, but she also used contractors. And she realized that she didn't need all the contractors. Some of them were idle or underperforming. And that her purchasing process was not very organized or efficient. So once she thought through all of that, she then then set goals and measurements to reduce the consumption or save costs in all those areas. Now, that was the objectives part of the EMS. That was the second step is the objectives, like setting the goals, determining what the measurements were going to be, how she was going to reduce consumption. And finally, she created various standards and processes to support the objectives. Now, that's the third part of the EMS. It's the programs. The standards she created, the processes she created, those were her programs that were included in the EMS. And the programs that she created involved the updating of all her protocols around purchasing and contracting with the vendors and hiring staff, even maintaining company vehicles and technology. So the implementation of these programs were the actions that was the execution part of the EMS. So she went through all those four steps, which took a lot of thinking and planning and gathering data, because that's the only way she could determine that she was overstaffed, that she was overspending. A lot of these things had just gotten away from her because she hadn't been paying attention. So she then had this documented EMS process And it involved a communication plan because what good is having a document like this and a a system like this if you're not going to tell anyone about it? So she socialized the entire document with her staff, with her manager. She let them know what she had done, the data that she came up with, the new processes that she put in place. And it went over so well with her boss that she was asked to scale the process to other departments. And you can, you you know, this is what I meant by the fact that this contributes to your brand. This was an initiative that no one in her company had ever done before. And she was really given a lot of kudos for putting this together, especially when the company saw how much money she was going to save by what she was about to do. So you can sum up this process to what is equivalent to a business plan or a strategic plan. and You hear about that a lot in companies. Usually, there's some kind of a business plan for small businesses or a strategic plan for larger companies, except an EMS is specifically focused on environmental stewardship. That's the main focus of the EMS within a company. You've been listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. Today's episode is the first in a series about sustainable leadership. We've been talking about environmental wellness and how to decrease your ecological footprint at home and at work. You've heard about how my client, Trisha enhanced her leadership brand and set a better example by being more ecologically responsible at home and at work. Sustainable leadership is an ideal way to set yourself apart as a leader. Plus, it helps your company reduce waste and save money. So it's a win-win for everyone. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'll answer a few questions that have come in. And then you'll get a sneak preview of the next episode in this series of sustainable leadership. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today.
1: At MD Consulting, executive coach Monique Deneau provides executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team.
2: Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel have a question for Monique or her guests, email Monique at Monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back. I'm Monique talking to you today about how do we enhance your leadership brand with the mindset of sustainable leadership. Now, I've been forgetting to remind you to jump over to my website at mdconsultingglobal.com. And there you will find all kinds of things that will help you to lead better in the workplace. You can sign up for my blog that comes out twice a month. You can also connect with me on all my social media. And you can listen to past episodes of this show, as well as go to a resource page, which has all kinds of downloadable tools regarding leadership and how to lead better. Tools, tips, strategies, and ideas. So be sure to do that. Definitely connect with me there. Now, before we round out this final segment with a sneak preview of the next episode, let's take a few questions that have come in. So this first question is from Susan. Now, Susan asks, when Trisha did her EMS, did she do it alone or with her team? Now, in Trisha's case, she did this alone. And I would really like to add here that you don't have to do it alone. It's actually an excellent activity for team building. So if you are running a team and if you really want you and your team to shine, you can take this on as an initiative and split the work up so that everyone is doing a piece of this. And I think that's just such an excellent way to create engagement with the team. And for example, if if the initiative from start to finish, is going to take, say, six months to implement it, to come up with the EMS and implement it. You could start it in the middle of the year and implement it as a brand new initiative at the beginning of the following year. So, you could start a year off with the new uh, EMS plan and really spend the first year measuring the results. So, to answer the question, she did it individually, but it can definitely be done as a team, as a team-building exercise. The next question is from David. After the planning step of the EMS, so that was for Tricia when she thought through all the vendors, she did the initial step. So, after the planning step, then the objectives step is next. So, that's the goal setting around cost-cutting. How do you get vendors and suppliers on board with those cost-cutting goals? So in Tricia's case, I mentioned she had contractors that were underperforming. So they, her company contracted them through a vendor, and she had to have the discussion with the vendor that as soon as their contract was up, she would not be renewing. So that was a difficult conversation, but she had to do it. And she had data to back up their lack of performance. She also had data to show that she was overspending. And what I mean by that is that she, they kept an inventory of supplies. And she reordered the inventory once a month. But she could have reordered every two months. She could have let the inventory drop a little bit more before reordering. So she was able to save money that way just by stretching out her ordering process. Now, typically, you've got to do your part to get the vendors on board. You have to have conversations with them. You can only control what you can. And many vendors now are more than willing to jump on board and provide some kind of cost savings to a company or discounts, you have to have those conversations to try to get them on board. Now, um, what what I do in my company is, before I bring on a new vendor, I have them sign an EMS agreement. And it's kind of like, it it's an honor system, right? I have them sign an agreement that they are agreeing to operate ethically and in They're agreeing to be environmentally responsible. I try to check them out as much as I can before I bring them on board, but I have them sign an agreement that they are doing what they can to be environmentally responsible. I choose the vendors very wisely. I always get at least three estimates. I don't go with the first one. So I try to cut costs and save money where I can that way. So if you are a leader in an organization and you're running a department, that is something that you can do. If you're not already doing it, that's a change you can make. You can pay more attention to how you bring on your vendors. And in Tricia's case, that was part of her EMS plan. That was part of her objective was that they? she updated all the processes as to how they were choosing the vendors so that even if she was no longer working there, there would be a process in place as to how to have those conversations and how to choose the vendors more wisely. Molly has a question. How do you tie the EMS work into the larger company CSR initiatives, so corporate social responsibility? So what I think Molly means is that, so companies have these larger initiatives for corporate social responsibility, and if a leader wants to create their own EMS plan for their department, how do you tie that in? How do you sell it? basically, to to the senior leadership. And really my response to that is you've got to socialize it. You've got to promote it. You've got to share it. You have to make noise about this. You can't do this quietly. It's a big deal. It's an important initiative. If you want to do it, you need to work with the HR department some companies have their own corporate social responsibility department. You need to form relationships with those people. You need to pull pull your boss into it, make sure your boss knows what you want to do and get everyone's blessing. And then once you've created it, you have to do what Trisha did and socialize it, share it. And in her case, she was asked to scale it to other departments. I mean, it was such a hit and it was such a cost saving to the company that she was asked to teach the other leaders how she did it so that they could do the same thing and she created a communication plan that is part of the EMS document is th- that it's got to be communicated and you will get buy-in for this because it's saving the company money like i said it's a win-win for everyone for the leader who's promoting it it's a uh, Uh, part of their brand. It really showcases the uniqueness of that leader. And then for the company, it's saving money. Now, the final question we'll go over is from Bob. How does creating an EMS help with a leader's brand? So, I've been talking about that throughout, but let me reiterate, it's so unique and it saves costs. I mean, it's as simple as that. Companies are under a lot of pressure right now to do better and to improve their behavior. So if a leader can spearhead something like this, that says a lot about their values and their leadership style. So today we have addressed the portion of environmental wellness that covers protecting resources. You've heard about the strategies that Trisha used at home and also at work. In the coming months, you're going to hear from subject matter experts about this part of environmental wellness. You'll hear about what businesses can do to reduce light pollution, to reduce noise pollution, and other ways that they can be more responsible. The second episode of this series, which is going to air next week, will address the area of environmental wellness that ties into enhancing personal safety. And this part of the concept is related to any place that your physical body is located is considered your physical environment. And anything that goes on in your physical environment can impact you mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. So it's critical that your physical environment be safe in all those ways and be a place that reduces fear, reduces vulnerability, and contributes to your empowerment. And that's your responsibility to yourself as an individual is to be sure that you, your physical body is always safe. And you would be surprised how many people, even little things in the workplace that make them feel really vulnerable and that that contributes to their lack of productivity because they don't, they don't feel safe. So in addition, as a leader, you're responsible for the physical safety of your coworkers within the workplace, So next week's episode is going to touch on topics such as workplace violence, domestic violence, and how it can turn into workplace violence, substance abuse, and other acts that put the safety of employees at risk. And my guests in the coming months will delve very deeply into all these topics. So the episode next week is going to be another solo show from me that will be touching on these topics at a high level, just to get you acquainted with that part of environmental wellness. But my guests will go much deeper into this, as well as talk about what steps leaders can take to strongly influence the policies around these things. Because even if you say you don't have time to be involved in these initiatives, or if you don't have time to create an EMS, you at the very least can be involved in influencing the policies. You can form relationships with people in the workplace who are creating these policies And really, workplace safety is not just the responsibility of human resources. It's everyone's responsibility. So I want you to keep tuning in as we continue with the Sustainable Leader series and keep emailing in your great questions. Thank you so much for the four that did email in today. And check out the radio show page of my website to download everything you've been hearing in these episodes. And again, I invite you to my website at mdconsultingglobal.com where you can connect with me on social media, sign up for my blog, go to the resource page, and get a lot of great information for leaders and how to lead better in the workplace. You have been listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. It's been great talking to you today. We'll talk again next week. And until then, don't forget to lead with intention.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.